offered in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Bye-bye. I want you to do something for me. I want you to think back to when you were a child. I want you to think about some of the games that you played when we were children. We didn't have the benefit of all the electronic gadgets that our kids have today, and we had to dream up things to do, and we had to make do with what we had. But we had some great fun playing, and I want you to think of some of the games you played. One of the games that comes to my mind is the game of follow the leader. Remember that? When someone in your group would challenge you to follow them, they would lead the way and you would follow them. Sometimes they led you into places that were kind of dangerous. But you didn't want to be thought to be a wimp. (laughs) So you made yourself go. I have some very vivid recollections of some of the places I went during Follow the Leader. I can remember being scared to death, climbing on my hands and knees, crawling on my hands and knees in mud and water in a dark culvert under a highway that connected drainage ditches, of which we had quite a bit in South Alabama in those days. It was scary. (laughs) I have another real vivid recollection of going down to the railroad track and where the train passed over a creek to go under the trussle and hang on under the trussle as a freight train went by (laughs) and see if you could hold on for the length of that train or if that vibration of that train would shake you loose, make you fall into the creek. Follow the leader. Now put those thoughts aside for a moment. (laughs) We're going to get back to them. And let's look at another follow the leader. Today finds us in the third Sunday of the season that we called Epiphany. And all of you know that Epiphany means a manifestation, making known It's that time of the year when through the scriptures and through our worship and through the songs that we sing in praising God, Jesus manifests himself to us, makes himself known because he desires to have a close relationship with us and he wants us to know him and he wants to know us. This year... We're going to spend eight weeks studying those incidents recorded in Scripture in which Jesus manifested himself to us as our Savior, as our Redeemer, as our Lord. And we're going to try to live into that and make him very real in our life. And when we finish up with the season of Epiphany, we're going to go into a season called Lent. And in the Lenten season that runs about seven weeks, 
we're going to study Jesus from the aspect of being our Savior, our Redeemer, who came to give his life for us, to redeem us, to save us from our sins and come to an understanding of what it means for us to be sinners and to need a Savior and what Jesus has done for us in giving his life for us because that's a very important relationship that we have that should fill us with gratitude of what Jesus has done for us and how he has brought himself into our life. We're going to finish that Lenten season by going through what we call a holy week in which we're going to concentrate very strongly upon those events of Jesus' life in which he chose to sacrifice himself for us and to lay down his life for us in order to give us the assurance of eternal life. And that will bring us into Easter Sunday morning when we will rejoice at the reality of the truth of what Jesus has told us and has demonstrated by his victory over death and proving himself to be the person that he has presented himself to us with. And then we're going to celebrate several weeks after Easter in which we are going to try to come to a deeper understanding of what that means for what Jesus has done for us and what his victory over death promises us and what his resurrection guarantees us. And then we're going to celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit in a season that we call Pentecost. In which Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit and he will fill you with an understanding and strength to come to grips with what I have taught you and will enable you to stand faithfully and to give witness to this gospel. And in Pentecost, we're going to learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ and how we witness to him and how our witness is needed so much by this world. See, the whole church year that has been put together for us for hundreds of years and which Christians have been following under the direction of the Holy Spirit are all meant to help fashion us and to mold us into followers of Jesus Christ, not just in our mind, but in our life and the reality of who we are and how we allow the love and the grace of Jesus Christ to change us and to make us disciples in his name. In order to do this, the church has devised a three-year cycle based upon the scriptures. In one year, and we happen to be in that year now, this is year A, we follow the guide of the evangelist Matthew. And our readings for that year primarily come from Matthew as he unfolds the gospel to us. The next year, we go to the next evangelist, to Mark, and we spend time letting Mark 
unfold the reality of who Jesus is to us, and in the third year, Luke. And in all three of these years, interspersed in these readings where it is appropriate and where it helps unfold the teaching from Matthew's, Mark's, and Luke's gospel, we go to the evangelist John, who was the last one to write his gospel and wrote it from that vantage point with the understanding that everybody was already familiar with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and he wanted to fill in the blank spaces and help bring us to an understanding of what those teachings were. John's the theologian. He's the one who unfolds the theology of the gospel for us, and we have John's gospel. And all of these things are meant to help us know who Jesus is. Because if we go through this life and do not really know Jesus, except as an historical person, and do not allow him to have some control and direction over our life, and to be the leader that we follow, then we have dissipated our life. It is so important to know Jesus. And everything that we do as Christians is directed to helping you know who Jesus is and what difference that makes in your life and what he calls you to do about it. And the Gospels unfold a pattern for us that help us plan the way we respond to Jesus. You just heard an exciting gospel read to you from Matthew. The calling of his first four apostles. The calling of Peter and Andrew and James and John. And what a remarkable incident it is. How Jesus shows up where they are. At work as commercial fishermen. He goes to their place of employment. And he invites them to give up that line of work. And to come and follow me. To come and be a part of what I plan to do in this world and how I'm going to change this world for all times and invite you to be a part of it. Weren't you amazed at how quickly they responded? And not only amazed, but I bet you were somewhat puzzled. How could they do that? How could they make such a life-changing decision so quickly? What did they know about this man, Jesus, that wasn't told to us in today's gospel that helps us understand the reasonableness about what they did? Well... The groundwork for this was laid last Sunday. You probably don't remember. 
But last Sunday, we did not read from Matthew. We read from John. And the church purposely puts that reading from John to precede the reading we had today from Matthew because that's what makes the whole thing sensible to us and helps us not only understand what has taken place historically, but for us to live into it and see how it might affect us, what it has to say for us. Because last Sunday, we were told something about two of these apostles. We were told something about Andrew, and we were told something about James. We were told that they were indeed commercial fishermen, and they had been all their life, because in those days, you did what your father did as a way of life, and your father did what he did, and so on up the chain. You were automatically locked into the work that you were born into. And that's what people normally did. And that's what Andrew and James were faithfully doing. And they felt a real keen dissatisfaction. Somehow it wasn't enough. Somehow they thought there must be more out there than this. Just going, getting up early in the morning and going out and taking your chance in the lake and bringing in the fish. There must be more that can put meaning to your life. And they heard about a prophet by the name of John, the baptizer, who was out in the desert and who was preaching that the time was near for the Messiah to come. And he was pleading with people to get ready for the life-changing event that was about to take place in their life and in their community. And so they became followers of John the Baptist, which means whenever they could take time off from work at the lake, they would go out to the desert and they would spend the rest of the day ministering to John and helping him, helping the people come down into the water and to be baptized and to change their incidents of their lives. They were helping in that process. And one day they were there helping him when Jesus himself came and was baptized. And John turned to Andrew and to James and said, you don't want to waste your time following me. That's who you need to follow. Follow him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Throw your lot in with him. And the gospel tells us they followed Jesus. They followed him all the way to Capernaum, to his home. And the gospel tells us they spent the rest of the day in the presence of Jesus. And they plied him with all the questions they had about life and the meaning of it, and all the experiences that they had had, and the hopes that were theirs because of the way they had read the scripture and had it explained by the rabbis under whom they had studied. And Jesus answered all their questions to satisfaction. And the Gospel of John tells us that Andrew went back home that afternoon 
and told his brother Peter about what had happened to him that day. And James did the same thing when he got home and told his little teenage brother John about it. And the next day, they brought their brothers to Jesus and spent the day with him and gave him an opportunity to answer all the questions that they had. And we don't know how many times they did that, but we see the pattern. We see what was done. They were getting to know who Jesus was. They were building up a trust in him. And everything that he told them made imminent sense to them. And they would long to be a part of that. And one day in their longing as they were finishing up a day's work, Jesus comes to where they are instead of them going to Jesus. And he says, come and follow me. Now, when we put those two readings together, it makes sense to us. And it helps us to understand that Jesus does not challenge us without preparing us. That he wants us to know the cost of what we are becoming a part of when we choose to follow him actively in our life and to help make him known to others. And part of that way in which we get to know Jesus starts right here where you are right now. The commandment says, remember the Sabbath day, make it holy. And that was the call from God all the way back to the Mount of Sinai as he gave his people a pattern on how to live their life. He said, worship has to be a part of your life. And keep holy the Sabbath day every week. And God said it is his desire that we be in God's presence every week. And that we hear his word expounded to us. And that we come to an understanding of who God is. And why he created this world. And why he sent a redeemer. And what that redeemer has offered to us. That's the minimum that we're asked to do. Now I want you to ask yourself, how faithful are you at coming to church every Sunday? Do you give yourself a silver star because you come three Sundays? A bronze star because you come two Sundays? Jesus said, remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Because it has the ability to make you holy. And holy, not in the sense of being a saint, but what holiness really means is completion. It makes you complete. It makes you a whole person. It makes you a person who understands your relationship to God. And that molding starts right here. And then once you are here, then just think of all the opportunities that you have to get to know to Jesus and realize that what we're doing in this is doing the same thing that Andrew and James did. We're spending quality time with Jesus. And we're giving him an opportunity to speak to our hearts and to our very souls. And to get to know him as a real person who wants to do marvelous things for us.
The apostles followed Jesus because they trusted him. They trusted him because they knew him. They knew him because they spent time with him. And in this parish, you are given so many opportunities through small groups, through Sunday school, through other study groups, through Bible studies, different things that we have, all of which come together to help us understand who God is in our life and who his son Jesus Christ is. Because... Jesus wants to come to us where we are, just like he did to Peter, Andrew, James, and John. He wants to come to us and say, come and follow me. From this point on, I want you to really dedicate your life to making me a priority in your life and serving you because I give you the power to touch other people and to fulfill your requirement to love your neighbor as yourself and to bring them to an understanding of their relationship with God. And Jesus does that for us. He gives us, when we are faithful to learning about him, he gives us an epiphany moment when all of a sudden everything becomes eminently clear to us and we long to be actively involved in his ministries. So when you choose a ministry here in the church and dedicate yourself to doing that ministry, whatever it is, so that you can be serving other people and bringing them to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are fulfilling the pattern that Scripture lays out for us. The pattern that Jesus Christ himself used in calling his first apostles 2,000 years ago, he still uses that. He goes to where you are and he processes the information that you have and he helps make you ready to follow him, to serve him. The real impact of today's gospel is to remind you of the reality that Jesus wants you to follow him and to be an active part. Now you are given a free will and you don't have to accept Jesus' invitation to follow him. In fact, there is a very clear example in the scriptures that tell us of another person whom Jesus gave an invitation to come alongside of him and be an apostle and he turned down the offer. And the story is forever preserved in the scriptures as a reminder to us of the alternative. Scripture tells us about a young man who was very faithful in serving God. He had been taught very well in his synagogue and in his home by his parents. And he truly loved God and tried to serve him in the minimal way that he understood. And he came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, you know the scriptures. I can see it in your eyes. You know it. Love the Lord your God. Honor your father and your mother. Do not steal or lie or commit adultery. Do not covet. And the young man said, Lord, I've done that all my life. My parents trained me to do that, and that's the way I have lived all my life. 
And the scriptures tell us something very tender at that moment. It says, and Jesus looked at that young man and he loved him because he knew what he was saying was true. He was being faithful to God as he understood him. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you an opportunity for more, to understand more, to do more, to be more. He said, give up all the things that you have. Leave your family and come and follow me. Same invitation he gave to Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and all the other apostles. And the young man listened to what Jesus said to him, and he weighed in the balance all the wonderful things that he possessed, the things that he had that he was so attached to, and he had to honestly confess in his heart that he couldn't do it. It's too much for me to give up. And he turned and he walked away from Jesus. Jesus didn't say, oh, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe I was a little too hasty. Let's negotiate this. Let me tell you another way in which you might do these things. No, the gospel says, and with sadness, Jesus watched him walk away because he was not prepared to accept Jesus' invitation. Did he accept it later? We don't know. It's not necessary for it to know that. Jesus, in his unfolding of the scriptures to us, just wanted us to know there was an alternative. Did he lose his eternal life because he turned down a special invitation Jesus gave him to draw closer? No. Because Jesus said he was a good man. And he was following God to the extent that he knew him. He just didn't know him as well as he could. And he was not being the complete person he could have been. And that's what this is all about for us. That Jesus is calling us to do more. To be more. To follow him. And to allow him to change our life. When we were children, we followed a leader because we trusted him. Oh, yeah, there was some of that involved in it where we didn't want to look like we were sissies and wimps. And we might have pushed ourselves a little more than we did, but primarily we followed because we trusted. And it's the same today. So the question for today is, how much do you trust Jesus? Enough to follow him? You need to know. Because he's giving you an invitation. Come and follow me. Amen.